about the seven churches of Asia in Revelation 2 and 3. And um, we've entitled the series, What Would Jesus Say? We have seen the bracelets, those kind of uh, plastic bracelets, WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? And that's important because we need to be reminded to act as our Lord would act. But uh, as I was thinking about it, I, I thought as we started this whole new series, what would Jesus say if he could stand up here in, in the flesh again and instruct us and talk to us as his church and as his body? What would he say? And I was just moved to look again at Revelation 2 and 3 and begin to hear because this is exactly what he did. He spoke to some churches concerning what was going on and how he wanted to address it. And so we've been talking right here to our local church about what he had to say. And we started by mentioning that church means, the very word church, ekklesia, comes from the Greek ek and then kaleo, which was, which was tweaked because of the grammar to klesia, which means the called out ones. How many of you know we are the called out ones? God called us out in order that we might make an impact, a difference, that we might be a solution, an answer to all the things that sin has done to this world. And we are called to be a part of that redeeming work in the earth as we declare the truth of Jesus Christ. And so we're wanting to get back and retrieve what it is that we need to be doing. And these seven churches uh, give us a different insight uh, as to the prevailing cultures or spirit or environments that many churches have. And uh, it's really been good for me to read it, and I trust it'll be good for you as well as we go through all of these particular churches. And the lesson I entitled this morning, out of Revelation 2, beginning with verse 8, I've called it Passing a Corporate Test. Passing a Corporate Test. I'll never forget in college having a professor and wanting to know, as it came test time, what exactly was going to be on the exam. How many of you remember going to school, taking an exam, and really wanting to know what was going to be on the test that was coming, maybe that next class session? And we used to, we used to bug him, and, and I remember it was uh, Professor Smith, Barth Smith was his name, and we would just bug the hound out of him, and we would say, tell us what's going to be on the exam. Let us know what we need to study. We, we wanted any edge we could get with regards to that test that we knew was coming, and especially when you get to college and then on to graduate school, they don't give that many tests. So every test had a high percentage rate, and you wanted to be sure you took that test well. And I'll never forget what he said. He'd say he was just kind of soft-spoken and just kind of mumbled, really. And he said, well, if you read the book and study your notes, you'll do just fine. <laughs> That's not any help. I mean... I mean, that's no help at all. But yet, in much the same way, when it comes to being tested by the Lord, He's almost the same way. If you'll read the book, and you'll study your notes, you'll do okay. Well, let's be sure we understand maybe what some of that may mean as we put it together this morning. And read Revelation 2 and 8. It says, And to the angel, or to the prevailing culture or spirit of the church in Smyrna, write, these things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation, and poverty. 
the Smyrna church had become impoverished, uh, probably through boycotts of the Jewish community. Uh, there was a large population of Jews in Smyrna in that particular era. And, of course, they weren't happy with the Christians there because most of the converts came from the Jewish community. And so they weren't happy with those Christians. And people speculate that there probably was an economic boycott which produced great hardship upon the Christian church and community. And the Lord says, I know you're impoverished. I know there's a poverty, but, he says, you're rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. And then he says in verse 10, and this is where we'll find what we want to talk about this morning. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. That you may be tested. Everybody underline and say tested. That you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death. And I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Now, Smyrna, as I've mentioned, is our second stop on our church tour through Asia. In fact, Smyrna was one of only two churches that Jesus had no negative thing to say about it. Now, there were some churches that were better than others. Other churches may have only had one thing that they were stumbling at. But Smyrna and one other church, Jesus had no critical remark. He had nothing negative to say about it. No problem that he needed to identify. And uh, much like Ephesus, Smyrna was a port city. It was smaller than Ephesus. It didn't have the economy that Ephesus had. Uh, From what we know, it was a beautiful city. They tell me it was sort of an artsy, cultural center. It had artisans, sculptors, painters, all sorts of artists of all kinds dwelt in that particular city. I mentioned also it was a center for a large Jewish population that was very hostile to the church. And you would think if they were in that kind of environment where there were all these secular forces coming against them, And then they had these religious forces that were coming against them. And Jesus didn't have anything critical to say about them because they were doing everything ostensibly right. But yet uh, they were facing all of these difficulties. You You would think that favor would be evident everywhere they turned. But truth is that they were having financial issues. They were impoverished. They were persecuted. They were facing spiritual warfare. They were lied about. They were slandered. I mean, that doesn't seem quite fair, does it? You're doing everything right, everything you know to do. Think about this. Jesus didn't have one negative thing to say about them, and yet they still face all these things. That doesn't seem quite right, does it? I I want to just share with you real quickly what, as I was studying, I came to find were the six slanders that they would give against the Smyrna Christians. If you want to know what they would slander the Christians with in the early church... Let me share with you some of the things that uh, were spoken about them. Number one, they said they were cannibals. You say, well, how in the world would they think they were cannibals? Well, it's because they all gathered together in their house churches and they received communion. They ate the body of the Lord and they drank his blood. At least that's what they heard on the street. And so they said they were cannibals. Those Christians, they're cannibals. Number two... They said they practiced sexual perversion. Well, 
How in the world did they get that one? Well, they heard they had what they called love feasts. There's a whole lot of loving going on. And they made up all sorts of things that would happen during these particular love feasts. Number three, it was said of them that they were hostile to the family unit. Why in the world would they think that? It's because when Jesus enters the equation, Jesus begins to put a sword between family relationships. He begins to put at variance a, a man with his father, a woman with her mother, a brother against brother, sister against sister. I understand in the day and age we live in, we say to ourselves, the family unit, that's almost God itself. No, it's not. Jesus is Lord over everything. Amen. Out of us three of you that believe me. All right. But that's what they said. Number four, it was said they were intolerant. They could only worship. Can you believe it? They only worshiped one God. They were intolerant. Jesus was the only one who could be called Lord. Number five, they were politically incorrect. They refused to declare Caesar as Lord. Politically incorrect. And then finally, number six, they were called insurrectionists because they disrupted the status quo of the culture. Everywhere they went, it seems like they caused an uproar or they caused a stir. And it's amazing how you begin to read that. You say to yourself, my, 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 things haven't changed really all that much. In fact, it was Jesus who said, woe to you when all men speak well of you. You don't hear that verse preached on much, do you? We always think, boy, it's a good thing when everybody thinks I'm the greatest thing. But Jesus said, if you're doing the work of the gospel, not everybody's going to appreciate what you're doing. And as I read that particular list, the question came up, at least in my mind, was, is there enough evidence in the church today to warrant any slander against us? Or do we just assimilate? Do we just gravitate? Do we just reflect everything that goes on in the culture? You see, Smyrna was being the church. And with all this going on, you would think that Jesus somehow would have released such favor upon them that it would have cut them some slack. And yet the Bible says that not only had they faced the things that they had already faced, but he says, I want you to know, he's giving them a prophetic word. Praise God, isn't it good to have a good word like this? It says, you will go into prison that you may be tested. Hallelujah. That'll cut down your personal prophecy lines, won't it? You're going to go to prison and be tested. I, I, you know, I was, I was actually, I was watching the other day television, and I was, I was watching it, I was engrossed. I, I don't even know what show I was in. I was engrossed, though, kind of in the show that I was watching. And then all of a sudden, the screen went, Beep! and it went black and then this ticker tape went across the top and when that ticker tape went across the top it said this is a test it was like of the emergency broadcast system or the county emergency management uh whatever and it happened right in the middle it was i mean we were right in the middle of an important part of what i was watching i mean this was a significant moment in the show and all of a sudden, it was this test. And, and, I, and, and as soon as that test happened, I was going, oh, no. Because it's going to 
It's going to hide, you know, whatever the mystery was or whatever the moment was. Maybe they were, I don't know, maybe they were, maybe Donald Trump was firing somebody or maybe, you know, maybe they were kicking somebody off idol. I don't know, but it was an important moment. When this test all of a sudden happened. And how many of you know tests are never timed like we want them to be? I also say this, God has pop quizzes too. And you never know when they're coming. It is not beyond our understanding to know that Christians will get tested as individuals. However, Jesus says to the church, he says churches who are doing the right stuff get tested too. You get tested as an individual, but it's not just as an individual. We get tested as the body of Christ as well. I call that the corporate test. There are corporate tests that happen even in people as a whole. Now, let me give you the definition of test. Everybody needs to know and distinguish a little bit as to what a test is. And and to understand what a test is, I have to distinguish between what is temptation and what is a test. First off, temptation comes from Satan to lead you into sin. That's temptation. You are tempted or you are solicited or you are drawn to something that will lead you into sin that will ultimately destroy your life or destroy your future. That's temptation. That's Satan's doing. But a test is a little bit different. A test comes from God and he uses it as an opportunity to produce something good and godly in you. That's what a test is. So some of you, when you know, you're looking at someone soliciting you to do wrong, you're saying, oh, I'm being tested. No, you're not. You're being tempted and you run. But when you're having a test, what you do is you need to stand, take the exam and press on through. Now, how does that work corporately? Well, the Lord allows or he produces certain circumstances that can reveal certain things about the people that are experiencing those things. Now, turn to the book of Exodus. I want you to read these particular verses, and we want to do this quickly. Exodus 20, verse 20. Now, we're beginning to see that God's working on the children of Israel. He's beginning to prepare them, give them boundaries, establish them in some things in order to get them ready to go into their destiny. And here in Exodus 20, 20, this is what Moses says to the people here. It says, Moses said to the people, do not fear For God has come to test you and that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. So the the Bible says here that that the Lord comes in order to test, in order that we might have a, a fear and a reverence from God and in order to help us before we ever get to the choices of sin to help us understand that we need to live circumspectly and righteously before the Lord. Now in Smyrna, interestingly... In the church here in the book of the Revelation, it's interesting that the Bible tells us that the Lord used affliction or he used suffering. The Greek word is philipsis. It's hard to pronounce. Philipsis is the Greek word. It means affliction or suffering. Listen to me real carefully. Some of the affliction and suffering you are facing right now may not be all the devil. Now, I'm not saying Satan could not have been given some leash in a, in a circumstance or situation, but some affliction and some suffering, I do believe God uses in order to test us to see if we're ready to do his ultimate will and destiny in our life. Are you hearing me? 
I, I mean, sometimes we'll face some difficult moment and everybody starts rebuking instantly. I rebuke this, I rebuke that. I rebuke, buke, 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 buke. You do so much buking, you haven't sat down to take the test yet. And need to hear what God may be saying, what God may be doing. And when this affliction or this tribulation came upon the church at Smyrna, in fact, if you follow its etymology, it's actually, it actually means to press or to squeeze. You know, it's interesting that whenever we're in a circumstance when we get pressed or squeezed, you know what happens? We find out what's in us. You never know what's in you until somebody squeezes you. You never find what's way down deep in there until somebody sort of rolls the old toothpaste tube of your life and begins to squeeze to find out exactly what's going on inside of you. And this is what's interesting to me. What's interesting to me is, I don't know how all of you do it, but we are the family that squeezes that toothpaste tube. I mean, we roll it up, we're pushing, we're, we're, you know, trying to get the last little bit of toothpaste out of that tube. It's like we couldn't afford $1.49 to go get another tube of toothpaste. But, but we're the one, and I'm just here to tell you, that's exactly what God does to you. About the time you think he's gotten everything out, he starts rolling that thing up. Pushing like he's never pushed before. Squeezing you in order to release that which is inside of you. In order not so much that he would know, but that you might know. Now let's talk about the purpose of a corporate test. He'll squeeze us as individuals. He'll squeeze us as a church. But let's find out what the purpose of all that is. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Turn over there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I want to read to you several verses. 1 Corinthians 3, beginning with verse 11. It says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. And if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. Now, why is it, what is the purpose of the test? Why does the test come? It says here to reveal what you built your life on, to reveal what the body has built its ministry upon. It's to see what's inside of you down to the most hidden agenda of your heart. God tests it in order to reveal who you and who we really are. The test exposes attitudes. It will expose motives. A test will measure maturity, loyalty. A test puts pressure on the foundation to find out what can really be built on it. You know, for those of you that may have gone to college and maybe have gone on and, and went to a, a graduate school of some sort, you will know that when you take classes at the university or at the college, that you'll have people in the classroom, some of them will take the course for credit and some of them will audit the class. You'll have usually two sets of students in every class. And if you're in the class and you're taking it for credit, what you do is, is that you, you're supposed to, you're supposed to study real hard, you're supposed to listen to the lecture, you're supposed to do all your homework, and most importantly, you take the test. If you want credit for the class, 
You have to take the test. Now, if you're in the class and you're auditing the class, when you're an auditor, basically what you get to do is you get to sit in the class, you get to hear the lecture, you get to basically pick and choose, maybe if you want to do some homework or assignment or whatever the case may be, but the most important feature of being an auditor in a class is you don't have to take the test. I want you to know I did audit a few classes in my life. Because there's something about, no, I just, I just can't take the test. I don't want to do all of the homework. I'd really like all the information that I get from the class. I, that would be useful to have that information. But to be honest with you, I'm not that committed to the class. I'm not that committed to getting the credit. I really don't re- care about all of that. I just like a little bit of the information. Oh, and, and maybe if it's an early morning class, I remember I took a missions class at 7.30 a.m., like my junior year in college, and bless that professor's heart, I just, I made it about half the time. You're saying, you? Yes, me. It was, it was agricultural mission class. I didn't want to hear about growing corn in Haiti in order that, you know, you could do mission work. It just wasn't stirring in my heart at the time. Now, there's, it's important, don't misunderstand me, that is important, but it wasn't like I needed that, but I needed a mission, you know, kind of input, and so I just went to the class, and at the end, I was doing so poorly in the class, I had to switch from bring, being a credit taker to an auditor, because I just wasn't that committed to the class. Well, this is what the Lord's saying to the church at Smyrna. He's saying this, he's saying, I'm going to send a test, I'm going to send, or allow it to happen, some persecution. I'm, I'm going to allow some things to take place in Smyrna for a test to come. And we're going to find out who's taking Christianity for credit. And we're going to find out who's auditing. Are you with me? Because I'm here to tell you, we have lots of auditors. We have lots of folks who say, I'd like the information. But I'm not sure I'm really in it in order to get credit. A lot of churches, let me just share this with you, I, 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 I want to be, be delicate, but there are churches that are built on a foundation of auditing. You just come and you can audit and you don't have to take any test. You just audit. But here's the problem with auditing. You never get the prize, you never get the destiny, you never pursue the will of God, you never press into that which God had for you that comes only by taking the test. Let me tell you folks here at Legacy, I want to prepare you for the test because there's coming a day in our culture we're going to get tested and you won't get to opt out of it. I'll assure you, you will get tested. And you need to be prepared for your test. You need to be prepared for when the squeeze comes. And there are all sorts of tests that can be given. Let me just give you just, I just wrote down here some types of tests. Think about this for for just a moment. If you face injustice or unfairness, or maybe you face misunderstanding, how will you respond? That is a test. That's a test. What if somebody lies on you, slanders you? What if somebody speaks ill of you or offends you? How, how exactly are you going to approach that? That is a test. I started counting through the scripture as best as I could. And to the best of my understanding at this particular moment, there are probably 15, at least 15 different kinds of tests that God has for those who he calls his children. 
I mean, there's, think about this. What happens, what happens to you if God doesn't move as fast as you think he needs to move? That's a test. Will you keep going or will you pitch everything in? What about if he gave you a promise or spoke his word to you and it doesn't look like his word is coming to pass? What are you going to do with that? That's a test. What about your motives? Why are, you, why are you in this? Why do you serve God? Are you in it because you love him or do you just want all of his benefits? I mean, he's going to figure that out and you're going to figure that out and he gives you a test. What about if you're in a wilderness? Will you, will you pitch in and give up in a wilderness or will you press on and go forward? That's a test. What about when somebody, somebody tries your patience and you're in the middle of a situation and, and your patience is, is getting tried? You're in the middle of a test. What if you're frustrated? What if you're discouraged? How do you deal with all of those things? What comes out of you? Those are tests. What about the test of persecution, the test of selfishness? Hey, let me give you this one. What if God puts you on a shelf somewhere and just lets you sit there for a few years and just says, be quiet and pay attention? What are you going to do with that? That is a test. And it not only happens to you, it happens to churches too. There are tests. Can I just give you some examples? I've been through tests. And I'll just, I'll just be real upfront. Some tests I got an A on. Some tests I got a D on. I praise God, even, even if you get a D on some tests, at least he lets you pass. And there have been a few tests that I failed. And then guess what? You got to take the course over again. If you want to go on with the Lord. I'm quite sure I'm not the only one in the room this morning that's had a few retakes in his life. But don't be fooled. God will test us all. He will, he will test us. He never lets us go on until we pass certain tests. Now, I want to give you God's perspective of a test. You want to write these things down. I'm going to go through this real fast now. But let me, let me give you some quick things that you can take with you that will help you understand maybe what you're going through right now and what maybe we're going through even at this particular moment. God's perspective of a test. Number one, it's to measure your ability to handle your destiny. To measure your ability to handle destiny. As you'll recall, Israel was in a wilderness and God allowed them to go into this wilderness. And unfortunately, while they were in the wilderness, they flunked a test and they forfeited their destiny. God said, basically, because, because you couldn't see beyond the giants, because you brought a bad report, basically the Lord said, I've got to let that generation die off and bring up a new generation that will pass the test of warfare and faith. And so the Lord had to just raise up another generation in order that they might go into the land and seize their destiny. Listen to me right now. You know why the body of Christ in America doesn't make as big an impact as we need to? It's because we flunk tests. We flunk tests all the time. And God's waiting for a generation to rise and pass a test. And when we arise and pass a test, he will open up the doors, he will split the Jordan, he will allow us to go into our land, and we'll seize our destiny. Amen. I know, I know we've been taught that God just, just, just sort of like a doting old granddad just gives us whatever we want, anytime we want. Well, I'm here to tell you God has benefits. I like what Trace was sharing with me the other day. She was sharing in the vehicle. We were just talking. And she said, you know what's interesting is that there are some folks that are full-time Christians and some who are part-time Christians. 
But the problem is, is that when you're a part-timer, you don't get the benefits. Are you with me? If you got a part-time job, nobody gets full-time health care at a part-time job. Nobody gets the 401k at a part-time job. So if we're only part-time in the deal, don't expect the full-time benefits that there are in the Word of God. But once we get the full-time Christianity, then we can start talking about the benefits. But we've got to pass some tests. And if you can't handle tests of offense and tests of trial and all the other tests that come our way, do you really think you'll handle your destiny? Do you really think at the place you are right now, if you cannot handle the test that's before you, that God will suddenly open up a door of influence or of money or of finance or of career? You wouldn't handle that unless you pass the test right now. If you can't pass the test with $10 in your pocket, you won't pass the test with $10 million in your pocket. Amen. Number two. It's to determine if you can be used for any greater purpose. I don't know about you, but, but you know, they test cars, they test refrigerators, they test microwaves. They test all sorts of things in order to determine its reliability. We test it. We, 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 we test those things in order to see, will it do what we say it will do? And so you're put through the test to find out whether or not you are able to do what you say you can do. You know, everyone says, oh, I love the Lord. Yeah, he can throw me in jail, persecute me. He can do all of that. Yeah, yeah, boy, I'd serve the Lord. If tribulation came on the earth, I would never deny my Lord. (laughs) Really? Really? We won't even go there, all right? That's, 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 That's why you got to press through where you are right now. Number three. To qualify you for a promotion. Every profession has a test to release you into your career. And there's a reason for that. It's because we don't want anybody doing certain things unless they pass the test. I don't know about you, but if someone's going to operate, if a doctor's going to operate and look in my insides, I want him to have passed his tests in medical school. You know, just call me, you know, just wildly, you know, my expectations are just enormous. But I want him to have passed the test. I mean, don't you? If you had a dentist sticking his fingers in your mouth, yanking on teeth and all the rest. I mean, what would it do to you as he's yanking right around in there and he's messing around with all that stuff? They're giving you a root canal or doing something and saying, oh, yeah, by the way, I got I got a C on this in my. I don't want I don't want somebody that got a C. Give me the A guy. I want the guy that passed the test. Oh yeah, I had to retake this car three times before I could. Keep your hands off me. Oh, but not in the church. Oh no, 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 no. We fail, 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 fail tests, and then we'll still promote people. Why? Why? See, that's why God brings tests. It's to qualify you for a promotion. And then number four, it's to refine you more fully into his character. The very word test carries with it the concept of refinement. Refinement. You know, the the Bible oftentimes talking about gold and silver being tested. And what that means is is that as heat is applied to those particular metals, it, it, it refines it or brings up all the impurities in it in order that they can be skimmed off. And so the Lord oftentimes will bring heat 
to the, to the equation. He'll bring heat to your life and heat to the church and he'll bring this heat to it in order that the impurity might come to the top and it can be refined. And if you want to be a son or a daughter of God, he wants you to reflect his character better. That really is his number one purpose. More than making you rich and healthy, he wants you to, to be refined in your character and look like him. And, and, and so he will put heat to the situation in order to bring it up, refine it off, in order that you can pass the test. Now the question is, and this has always been the question, well, pastor, if I'm going to be tested, if I'm serious about my Christianity, if I'm wanting to walk out the will of God, if I want his will for my life, if I want to embrace that destiny, if that's really in my heart, then how do I prepare for a test? And I'm going to share something with you that I got from my third grade teacher. I mean, it's amazing how much truth you can get in grade school. Now, I'll never forget. Now, let's just let's go to graduate school for just a moment. I, I'll never forget in graduate school, in the school I went to, in order to ultimately get out of the school, to get out of the seminary, um, not only did you have to pass all your classes, not only did you have to do all the papers and do all the work, and you had to have at least, a, 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 I don't know, what, 2.5 grade point average to be considered for graduation and all the things that they required in that regard, the last thing they did was they gave you what they called an oral examination and they sat you down with three professors and they had your transcript from college and they had your transcript from graduate school and they opened it up and any question was fair game for those last seven years of school. Any question they wanted to ask from your freshman year in college to just last week in the last class that you had, any question was fair game. I'm here to tell you that in the school I went to, it was a top 20 seminary, and, and basically there was a 50% fail rate through oral examination. And of the 50% that passed, half of that 50% had to do remedial work in order to eventually navigate their way through, which basically says that about 25% of those that went through oral examination would be given the clear bill. So to say the least, most of us were seized with fear. We had more fear stories come out, of the, that, and it was three hours. You sat down with these professors for three hours, and they would, just, they would shoot you questions. And, and, you know, you'd always pray for certain professors, because some of them were really hard guys, and some of them you perceived as a little bit easier. And there was one old boy that you didn't want to have. Dr. Bassett was the one old boy you didn't want in your oral examination. I mean, because so far as we knew... Not only did no one pass, we weren't sure that everyone came out with all their body parts. I mean, you know, that's the, those were the types of stories you would hear. So what did you do? No, no joke. We would, there was no organization to this. Listen to me. Nobody in the school organized it. There was no program. There was nothing official that was given to you in order to prepare for oral examination except you were told when it was going to happen. And so what would you do knowing that it was coming? Well, we would organize ourselves as students. And you would do your best about four or five months before the examination. Four or five months now, you would get a group of four or five people together. And, and, and my strategy was this. I, wanna, I want the smartest people that are in this place in my group. And so I went and found the smartest ones, the ones that were passing the tests the one that were, that were getting the good grades, they were pressing their way through, they were writing the good papers. That's the group that I wanted to gather around me, and for four or five months, 
I mean, we're talking above our homework, above our paper writing, above everything else that we had going on in our life. We would find a couple hours every day to sit in these tables in the library and we'd just start shooting each other questions. I mean, on anything and everything. For months, we would do that. Until finally the day came when oral examination took place. And this is all I have to say is that our study group got through it without remedial. Praise God. So we were happy for that. So anyway, but I'm here to tell you that in order to do that, how many of you know you got to prepare for a test? You can't just say, well, I got a test today. wonder how I'm going to get through it. You got to begin today to begin to prepare for the test of your destiny. Some of you in here this morning have great destinies. You have incredible promises from God. You have things that are mind-blowing, according to the Scripture, exceedingly abundantly above that which you could ever ask or think. Some of you in this room will be of influence. Some of you in this room will have finance. Some of you in this room will do incredible uh, mission uh, activity, gospel activity. Some of you in this room will impact your families and your culture. Yes, in this room. But folks, these are the days we get together and we're not feeble of heart, and we start passing these small tests, so when the big test comes, this church passes the test. It passes the test. And it will come. It will come. Mark my words. So let me just tell you what my third grade teacher said, because this is pretty good. Number one, how do I prepare for a test? Number one, refuse to fear it refuse to fear it have you ever heard people i've heard people say this those of you that are teachers i know you've heard this but this is what folks will say sometimes parents will say this about their kids and other times people will say it about themselves but they'll say well you know i just don't test well or you know little johnny he just doesn't test well you know he just he just he's just never been a good test taker i've often wondered as I've heard that, whether or not little Johnny may or may not be a good test taker or whether or not you may be a good test taker or not, can I just suggest to you that it might not be your ability to take a test. It might be your ability to break fear or to break panic or to break anxiety. I mean, you just can't look at God one day and say, well, Lord, you know, I'm probably not on your A team. I probably am the B team and I just don't test well. As if God's going to say, oh, yeah, well, oh, yeah, you don't test well. Because certainly the kingdom works like the public school. We'll just keep passing you along. Dumb as a doornail. But we'll just keep passing you along. That's not how it works in the kingdom. Because the interesting thing about God is as superintendent, he ain't got no board to respond to. He can just set it like he wants to set it. It is not an option. God says in the kingdom there's going to be some tests. Refuse to fear. Don't fear a test. Prepare for a test. Don't be anxious about the test. Get ready for the test. Anticipate the test. Give me the test. Amen. Number two, practice applying precept daily. If you aren't applying precept on a routine, everyday basis, then you'll not be ready for the test. Listen to me. I'm not a big homework fan. Because I, I do, and Tracy does a lot more than I do, a lot of the homework for, for Kalen, who's in fifth grade. And, and we are looking at each other wondering right now if, you know, Trace and I are going to pass the fifth grade because we're not sure we're going to do that. 
But having said that, the point of homework is this, that if you'll apply precept on an everyday basis, if you, if you do something daily, it'll be a lot easier and you'll take a lot better tests if you get this under your belt day after day after day. And we've got to do this as Christians. We have got to begin to apply precept daily. Don't you wait to apply precept when you're in the middle of the test. You're going to be shaky at best. You've got to start applying it today. You've got to apply faith today when maybe you don't need to walk in faith, but you've got to start applying it today. You've got to apply obedience today. All the precepts you've got to begin applying today so when your test moment comes... You'll be more than ready to take it. Number three, study the people who have passed tests. Study the people who have passed tests. Here's the most important thing. I I, I ought to tell this to the kids in the natural and to the parents in the spiritual. Don't watch people who fail tests. Isn't that revelation? Well, you know, Johnny, he he fails tests and he seems to get by All right. And and maybe all Johnny's going to do with his whole life is say, do you want fries with that? Are you with me? We have got to begin to study in the Bible and even around us those people who passed tests. Don't, don't, Don't study, don't emulate people who don't pass tests or fail tests, especially spiritual ones. Number four, count it a joy when God says you can be tested. James 1, 2 and 4, 2 through 4, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Isn't that the most amazing verse in the world? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. When you are getting tested, that means that the Lord is getting ready to promote you and to move you further along in his plan for your life. So if you've got a test that's come your way, say hallelujah, I've got a promotion coming. Something good is just around the corner. I'm fixing to graduate, praise the Lord. And then number five, the teachers will chuckle at this one, keep your eyes on your own test. What does that mean? It means this, don't you worry about what test someone else is taking or what test they're not taking. Are you hearing me? You got to worry about what test you're taking. We got to worry about what test we're taking. I could look all over the nation, probably all over the world, and see corporate bodies, churches that are taking tests. I could look at the body of Christ at large. I'm sure we're taking tests as a, as a, a universal worldwide body. And even local churches have their own particular tests. But here's the key. You got to keep your eyes on your own test. For all you know, whatever others are doing, they could be failing. And you don't want to copy their answers. Are you with me? Boy, this dog will hunt, won't he? You don't want to copy their answers for your test. Now I'm going to close with this. Psalm, turn to the book of Psalms. Verse 17, I'm just about done. Psalm 17, and I'm, I'm through. David was probably in the cave of Adullam at this particular time. And for those of you that remember the story of David, he started out in a sheep field. He had to go watch his father's sheep. Even when there was a fairly notable, famous prophet that was coming to the house that day. How many of you know that would have been a test to to stay out in the sheep field? Despite the fact you may have wanted to be up at the house. 
Well, here it says in Psalm 17, verse 1, it says, Hear a just cause, O Lord, attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips. Let my vindication come from your presence. Let your eyes look on the things that are upright. Listen, verse 3. You have tested my heart. You have visited me in the night. You have tried me and have found nothing. I have purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Now, listen, David, David got a word from the Lord. From the prophet Samuel that he would be king in all of Israel. And amazingly, rather rapidly, a set of circumstances happened that found an open door for him to go and serve Saul. He was an attendant to Saul, as you'll recall. A musician, he'd play for Saul. And he actually got to the throne room there in all of Israel. And one would have thought, if you were looking at it from the natural, that the word of the prophet which was spoken concerning his eventual promotion to kingship in Israel would have been fulfilled as he became sort of the right-hand man or Saul's sidekick uh, as he was, as Saul was giving leadership in Israel at that particular time. But you know the story. Saul became jealous of David. Uh, he opened up his heart to divination and other things. He began to actually try to kill David by tossing spears at him. And all of a sudden, David had to run to the caves of Adullam in order to somehow miss being killed by Saul himself. I don't know how you would look at that, but that would be a test for me. There you were in the very place that God said, this is your destiny and you're being run out of town. How many of you know there was a test in that cave? Saul began to call him an outlaw. Saul called him a rebel. Saul began to hunt him down like a dog, used him, spoke all manner of evil against him. But every time David would come up to a moment, he would pass the test. There was a moment David had a sword in his hand and sliced off an end of the cloak of Saul. And even then, he could have killed him, but he didn't. He just, he just kind of, he got a little ornery there for a moment. He just got a little, you know, kind of just into himself and slashed the coat and took it away. And even then, God smote his heart. And he passed the test. And we have to realize that David passed some tests before all of a sudden, in fact, David, David had to rule in caves. And after he spent, uh, I don't know, decade in a cave, he had to go to Hebron. And he spent another decade at Hebron and ruled there until finally he went to Jerusalem and began to rule over all of Israel. But every step of the way, there were some tests that he had to pass. Folks, listen to me. There are some tests you and I will have to pass. If God's going to give us a city, are you hearing me? That's our inheritance, is a city. And if God's going to give us a city and a region, we better know that there's going to be some tests we're going to have to pass. You think he's just going to plop a city into the laps of people who just bumble, stumble around and really don't know if they want to serve God or not, or if they're all out or not, or if, if they're really interested or not? I don't think so. God's going to give a city to those people who pass those tests. Yes, he will. And if we'll pass them, he who is not a liar but is true to his word will give us our destiny. God's calling you. He's calling me. He's calling all of us to great influence, great ministry. But there have been some tests. What's your grade? Well, then line up for the retake. 
and say, Lord, I want to pass the test. And the good news is, I, I believe you have the qualities and the wherewithal to pass the test. I, I, I believe the most humble, ordinary people can pass the test. That's what this book is all about. This book isn't about big shots. This book is about little shots who pass tests. And that ought to give us all a lot of hope. Because we ain't much, but as long as we keep passing tests, we'll still get promoted. Amen? Smyrna was doing everything right, but they still had to pass the test. Now, you can apply this at about four different levels, but my question is this. Whatever level you apply it to and wherever you're at right now, are you passing the test? God wants you to. He very much wants you to. But let's start doing our homework. Let's begin to make sure that we're getting everything under our belt we need to get there. And then get ready. We won't be surprised on test day. I don't know, I'm not prophesying this. I'm just simply saying that, that our region is about 30, 40 years overdue for an earthquake. Are you ready for the test? Are you ready for the test? There's some people out in the Midwest got hit by tornadoes. City manager at a small town in western Kansas said they'd lost everything. 90% of the town has been obliterated. And you know, it's interesting, when all of that goes and all of that's gone, I wonder who's passing the test. I'm wondering, I'm wondering what takes place if all of a sudden we're seeing the, the stock market climb, 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 climb. And I heard the other day on the radio the guy say this, it's never been like this since 1929. And when it all drops, I wonder who will pass the test. I want to pass the test. I've got a heart. I've got a heart to pass the test. Do you? I, I trust you do. I believe you do. But let's make sure. Let's make sure we're getting ready for the test. Amen? Let's stand, shall we? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that this morning you're not, you're not the outlandish professor in our life that gives us tests we can't pass, but you're the God who puts before us that which is important and pertinent, and you want us, Lord, to, to pass in such a way that we can receive a destiny, we can receive a promotion, we can, we can go forward in the things of God and in the things concerning your will. Lord, I believe right now that you're assisting people in passing some exams. Lord, right now, I, I believe, and I don't even know that, and yet, just in my spirit, I know that there are people here this morning that are probably in test situations. And I ask you right now to give them, Lord, give them the wherewithal to say, I'm going to pass this test. I may have failed it a hundred times previously, but this time I'm going to pass the test. I'm not going to keep retaking the same thing over and over and over again. But Lord, by your help and your leadership, by you infusing me with power and by me applying precept, I'm going to pass the test. Lord, I pray you would put that in these people that are here this morning. 
Lord, I believe that this group in here this morning are not the faint of heart. They are not those that are auditing Christianity, but they are those who truly want to get credit. They are those that want to receive a reward. They are those that want their lives to make a difference. I believe in this room today. Lord, there might not be one who feels like it or one right now that can even see it of themselves. I just prophesy it over them. You are, you are a victorious Christian believer who will pass the test. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I declare it over you right now. Just arise right now. Arise in the name of Jesus. This is what I want you to do right now. If you're needing, if you're needing God to come, and I, this is the good news. He will help and He will assist. But you got to do your part, yes. But, but right now, maybe you're in the middle of a test and you would say, Lord, I'm, I'm asking you to help me. I want to pass this exam. My heart is to pass. Just, just lift your arms to the Lord right now. and Just say, Lord, I, I want to pass this test right now that I'm in. I want to pass this test I'm in right now. Keep your arms up right now. Just say, Lord, that's me, that's me. I want to pass this test. Lord, you see these hands upraised right now. As a people, we say to you as a, as a church, we want to pass the test you put before us as a people too. We want to pass the test you put before the whole body of Christ at large. We want to pass that test. And Lord, I believe right now that you're preparing the reward, you're preparing the credit, you're preparing the destiny, you're preparing the promotion. As Lord, we're taking the test. Thank you, Lord, for infusing people with new hope. Lord, with new joy. With, with just new wherewithal, Lord, to take their tests. Thank you, Lord. You can put your hands down right now. Thank you, Lord right now. i tell you what I want to ask you to do. Some have come and, and knelt, and if that's you and you want to spend some time, I want to give those a moment. If you're seeking God about your test passing, or maybe, can I just say this? I never thought of this. Don't know why anybody's here, so don't, don't misconstrue what I'm about to say. But you know what? If you failed a test, you know what we need to do? We need to repent from that failure and say, Lord, I failed, and I know I failed, and I repent. I do. I repent. I changed my mind. I'm going to turn around and begin to walk towards you. That may be you too. Maybe you need to spend some time before the Lord before you leave. Don't be ashamed of that. Repentance is the key to Christianity. It is the key to true Christianity is repentance. So we're not ashamed to say repent. Not ashamed to offer people an opportunity to do that. Because that's the key. It's the linchpin. Your future is in that word repent. If you'll just change and turn. God can do some incredible things. But the other thing I just want to offer right now, if, if you've never made a decision for Jesus, or right now your heart's wayward, and you want to get your heart right before you go this morning, I'd like you just to take a moment right now and just, just close your eyes and say, Lord, I'm not right. I've been wayward. Maybe you served him at one time. Maybe this is the first time you've ever made a decision for the Lord. But right now you know that right now your heart's just not where it needs to be. It's not clean. It's not upright. You're alienated from the Lord and you're just wanting to get back on track. I want you right now, right now, why don't you just step, slip out, step out and just kind of join me right here. And I just want to pray with you and for you. And let's get back on track. I want you to pass test too. That's you. I want you to stand right here. Marty, God bless you, man. I love you. 
You just keep on. You just keep on, dude. Come on. Come on. God bless you, man. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Just, God's just a sweet teacher. He's just a sweet teacher. I don't want to leave anyone out. All right, guys, this is, and ladies, please just repeat after me and bring your genuineness and sincerity and congregation. Join me right now, will you? We're all going to pray together this prayer. Dear Jesus, you spoke to my heart and you've touched me and I've felt a distance from you and I don't want to be. So right now I choose from there and to turn towards you and to walk with you. I confess my sin and I ask forgiveness. Lord, I receive it from you. I believe you're Lord. You were risen from the dead to give me victory and I receive that today. I am declaring I am a child of God. I will pass the test. I will pursue your future for me. And I will succeed because you are for me and not against me. I embrace that today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a big hand. Praise God. Praise God. Guys, why don't we just, since the guys are over here, let the ladies maybe go this way and pray. Guys, just go this way and let the guys pray for you one more time and kind of nail it down real quick and uh, try to get you connected under there. Some things we just want to pray for you. Guys, turn real quick. We've got time. Uh, but, but turn that CD up and turn the uh, Let the Church Rise one on real quick and get ready to flash those words on the screen. Let's sing... How many of you, let the church be the church. How many of you want to be the church? I want to be the church. Amen. All right, you got to sing with everything you got, all right? We're going to go out singing this morning. But guys, if you're ready, go ahead and start that track up. Give me some heat, because they're all going to sing as loud as they can sing. We are alive, filled with your glorious light. Out of the dark, into your marvelous light. We are waiting with Church, right.
satisfied. Raise a son where we belong. Moving with power, bringing your name to the earth. Singing your praises, lifting our glorious songs. I declare that you shall arise. You shall arise and be the church. And you shall be a light and you shall be salt. And you won't reflect the atmosphere. You're going to change the atmosphere. You're not going to be a thermometer. You're going to be a thermostat. And you're going to change the atmosphere wherever God leads you. And that's going to begin to happen even this week. Father, right now, just brand it in our spirits that you're causing us to arise in a brand new way. 
letting us be the church, the called out ones to change the affairs of the state. And Lord, we understand it's not in voting booths, it's not in the corridors of power, it's not in Columbia, and it's not in Washington, D.C., but it starts in the house of God, amongst your people. And Lord, right now, let them be loosed to do that. Lord, work through them mightily, I pray this week, and let the church be the church, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. God bless you. Love each other. And you're released.